This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 73, 100 Conversations in the City, with our guest, Robert Levine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster podcast for Toastmasters. We have another special guest today. We have Robert Levine. He's a digital strategist and podcaster. He's from Brantford, Ontario, Canada, home of the legendary great Wayne Gretzky and also the birthplace of the telephone and the residence of Alexander Graham Bell. Robert is best known for his popular podcasts, including Social Business Hangout, The Disposable Web, Old Time Hockey, and Getting to Know. The city of Brantford recently recognized Robert as being the feature artist of the month in recognition of the podcasting he's done since moving to Brantford. I first met Robert through Empire Avenue, now called Empire Cred, which is a social influencer platform, and we've become good buddies ever since. Hello, Robert, and welcome to the show. Hello, good sir, and how are you? Actually, pretty good. I know what a podcaster is, but what's a digital strategist? You know, just before this uh, this podcast, we had a conversation where we were talking about how you could repurpose, repurpose, repurpose your content. And, you know, especially in the world of digital, it's so much easier to take a digital piece of property and, and repurpose it. Uh, you know, I, I often use the example, you take a, a video interview, now you've got both video and images. From there, you can take the audio, release it as a podcast in addition to a video at that point in time, transcribe it. All of a sudden, now you've got a whole bunch of content for your blog posts and your tweets and whatnot. So part of that digital strategist is exactly that, looking at the digital landscape. And really, for me, the, my philosophy is uh, repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. So a lot of what I do in the digital space is looking at what's there right now and how would you repurpose that across your organization or across your, let's say, marketing efforts. Excellent. So record it once or use it once or create it once and then use it a hundred times. And podcasting is obviously a perfect example of it. Now, you're an avid podcaster, you're very experienced, but yet when you first started, you hated your own voice? <laughs> I still do to this day. And, you know, keeping in mind, uh, not only do I podcast, but I'm also, uh, you know, an MC for Muay Thai events, as well as the backup announcer for a senior A hockey team. So to hear my voice uh, on a loudspeaker in front of two, 3,000 people, knowing full well that, that I hate it, is interesting. You've developed voice personas. And uh, I think what podcasting has allowed me to do is play with my voice 200, 300, 400 times across various uh, endeavors and figure out what those different voice personas might be, whether or not, as you say, it's a, a podcaster, a serious podcaster, a not serious podcaster, an interviewer, uh, or an MC. So the, the ability to learn my voice, I don't even know what my original voice sounded like. Fortunately, I do have it recorded. <laughs> You're talking about big audiences. I'm just thinking here, you move from the big city of Toronto, 3 million people, fifth largest city in North America, I think it's the largest city in Canada, to Brantford. <laughs> Population, 99,000. Brantford's, what, 99 kilometers southwest of Toronto. Why did you do that? Well, well, you brought up 99 a couple of times, and part of that is is 99. There's a stigma uh, with Brantford, one of which is positive, one of which is negative. Uh, on the negative side, it is a, a hard-pressed town. It's an old factory town. You know, as I'm talking to you, I'm staring at an aerial photo I took of the downtown core. And, 
you know, it's uh, some old factories and uh, some interesting uh, workforces. So it's a hard-pressed town. So I definitely wanted to move here and take what I learned from, you know, the larger city, Toronto, and see if I can kind of leapfrog some of the people in Brantford, you know, five years. And sadly, I came into Brantford with a bit of an ego and it was like, let me leapfrog you 10 years or whatnot. And you got to work with me to do this. And, uh, you know, the humility of Brantford work, it's charm and, and remove some of that. The other aspect, of course, is there was a, a street hockey tournament and Kevin Smith, uh, who's a filmmaker and a podcaster, was doing one of his podcasts as well as playing in the hockey tournament. I'm like, you know what? A, I love Kevin Smith. I got to go see Kevin Smith. And I've always heard of this place called Brantford, mostly because it's got a casino. But, you know, I also heard that that it was the birthplace of a certain hockey player that, that we all watched growing up. So it's like, I got to check out this place. And right off the highway, it's, you know, Wayne Gretzky Drive. And it's like, okay, there's a McDonald's. Let's grab a couple of Big Macs. And next thing you know, I'm eating my Big Macs waiting for Kevin Smith. And, and I meet my future wife. So, yeah, you really can't plan these things out. But uh, from Toronto to Brantford, indeed. It sounds like there's lots of great stories here, which leads us nicely into our topic for today, 100 Conversations, your social business hangout, your podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, I came to Brantford to see a podcast. So obviously I had an interest in the genre. And uh, I always liked interviewing, but I also, um, you know, mostly interviewed uh, let's just say I was not an active listener uh, during my early interviewing. This was mostly job h- hires and, and interviewing people for employment and stuff like that. So I really wanted to develop more of an active listening and a bit more empathy as well, part of that humility that we talked about. But deep down, you know, I'm a Toronto guy in, in a small town where everybody knows your name. Everybody grew up with everybody. Everybody has history. Uh, there's uh, uh, groups you want to be with. And if you're with that group, you're not with these people. You know, you really, it's a brand new landscape. So how do you learn your landscape? Well, you start walking and you start looking for, you know, corner streets and you start having conversations with people. So I basically took a whole bunch of things, brought them all together and said, let's call it the social business hangout. One was I wanted to become more of an active listener. So let's talk about stuff I normally don't care about. I wanted to be more empathetic, well, better understanding of what people in Brantford were going through. Because like I said, I came from a fairly affluent uh, city to a city that, you know, not everybody was living that lifestyle. I really needed to understand my neighborhood. I needed to know who the people were. And at the end of the day, I needed to do content marketing for my own business. So it's like, okay, well, let me put all of that together and start meeting people. To your point earlier about repurpose, 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 if I'm going to have an hour conversation with someone or a half hour conversation with someone, might as well do it, you know, and record it so that someone else can hear it. And if there's other people around, might as well do it in front of a live audience. So all of that stuff played out over the course of 100 episodes. It was around episode 40 or so that all of a sudden I started noticing, you know, the, the community meshes coming in, how the stories intertwined. Uh, and that's where I really started to understand Brantford. So Deep down, what started off as a content marketing strategy as part of the digital strategies that we were talking about turned into me, you know, knowing my, my city and my city knowing me in return. Looking back 100 episodes, I mean, that's scary. That's a, a big audacious goal. And we're talking about a town or a city, I should say, where no one knew you. Here's a guy from the big city coming in. Was it something that the town easily accepted? No. And the one thing that that I learned, uh, you know, and like I said, this comes from the 20 years of IT leadership, 
is you lead from the front. So if I'm going to ask someone to step in front of a large audience or a small audience or an audience of one and talk about stuff that they've never talked about in public before, I better be willing to do it myself. That's why all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't just me podcasting from my basement. It was me podcasting with a group of people. Quite often, there'd be two guests at a time in the early stages. We were doing it as part of a larger networking event. So, you know, the Social Business Hangout was originally a workshop where we would get together as a group. We would figure out what we needed to learn. And if it was a topic worth, you know, talking about, we recorded it and we recorded it in front of the group. So, it was really interesting how it developed because originally it was going to be like maybe 25 episodes. Next thing you know, you know, I, I'm getting into the 40s. Next thing you know, it's in the 60s. I'm in the 90s. At that point in time, you know, I've been doing that for, you know, every week for two plus years. Uh, so around, you know, the 90th episode, uh, a lot of stuff's happened. And that's where I really needed to take a break and came back after about a year break and did the final 10. That's a large number of interviews. How did you get the town to realize that this was something that they would need? Well, you know, it's funny. After about the 10th episode, words started getting out, uh, you know, because the idea of this stuff is obviously it's shareable media, right? So all of a sudden people are talking about themselves or talking about the podcast. So the word got out that this was happening. How do I want to say this? There's always a group of people that want to be associated with their business more than anybody else, so whether or not that's a closed networking event or just marketing in general. So it got to a point where people were starting to approach me to talk about themselves. And, and I had a strict rule. If I had already talked about a subject, I would never talk about it again. So if we talked about real estate, there would never, ever be another real estate episode. And the idea was that every episode was its own keyword. To be that person to talk about a particular topic for the first time knowing full well that that could be available 10 years from now, became interesting to a lot of people. And then once those people started coming in, it really grew because those were the, the social influencers, if you will, of the city, right? So what started off really small with the, you know, like one of the first person I ever interviewed in episode one, I made a point of interviewing him in episode 100. And uh, that individual had basically been to the majority of the social business hangouts and just watching how he improved his speaking, his demeanor, his knowledge about his business, were all side effects of, of just podcasting. Excellent. Now, you mentioned real estate. Real estate is obviously a natural. What were some of the other topics, some that might be obvious or perhaps even some of them that would not be obvious, topics that maybe you, you wouldn't think that you would cover? Well, you know, it's interesting. Going back to that empathetic and active listening, when I first started, no one really wanted to talk about it. So what we decided to do is I would do the majority of the talking. So uh, a lot of it were topics that I knew um, that they didn't. So a lot of it was digital related, social media related, marketing related, you know, stuff that were tied to what I did professionally. So the podcast, even though other people were there, were uh, more of a two-way conversation where I was providing a lot of the context. So a lot of the original keywords were keywords that were tied to what I did professionally. And then as other people started coming in, that's where I, not only was I becoming more of an active listener, because now I was more negotiating a conversation where they were the knowledge expert, not me, that shifted that. But going back to your earlier point, at the end of the day, most of these people never speak publicly. And, you know, we, I did an episode on Toastmasters with Toastmasters where we actually did a Toastmaster uh, presentation before and then we recorded what their thoughts were about it, and then they did another one. And even they, professional Toastmasters, were 
noticing once they started recording themselves, how much they forgot. And, and you know, the art of recording, uh, especially when you're doing it live, uh, there's no net. <laughs> I remember that episode. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> the funny thing is it was during their Halloween type uh, events. So we were all dressed up at the time too. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, real estate's a great topic. Toastmasters is also very important. What were some of the other topics that you covered? You know, we covered a lot of different industries. We've covered like the retail industry, the sports industry, the television industry. You know, the list goes on and on and on. We've covered everything from email marketing to hospitality. But, you know, some of the ones that really stand out to me is like, you know, I interviewed the town crier in full town crier gear. He, he gave, you know, a town cry just before the podcast. We talked about the Santa Claus parade and I, I was interviewing Santa Claus proper in full attire. Uh, you know, we were doing stuff like, you know, uh, Happy New Year, where all of a sudden we were doing predictions about where things were going to go. We've talked about the newspaper industry, you know, education, photography, personal computers. But going back to something I said earlier, where the stories all of a sudden started weaving together is really where things started to come interesting. And it happened around episode 71 that I used this story. We were interviewing Sid Bolton. He's got one of the largest uh, Star Wars collections uh, in, in his uh, library. He's also got the largest, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, video game collection as well as a, a personal museum in, the, in his backyard. But we we're talking about his Star Wars collection. And that was episode 71. In episode 72, we were talking about hoarding and organizing. So all of a sudden, the question of, is such a collection a hoard or not? And that led into episode 73, which had to do with mental health. You know, so all of a sudden, hoarding led into the mental health. All of that stuff intertwined itself so interestingly because that's where all of a sudden the community and all of the various aspects of the community started really coming into play. And that's where I really noticed, you know, when you have, you know, 75 at this point in time, conversations with a fairly small community. You learn a lot very quickly. As you were speaking, that was the word that came to mind, the word community, because it sounds like the podcast went from a series of individual topics to actually creating almost this, a social conversation. So you took it from talking to one person to almost creating some sort of cocktail party. Well, you know, it's weird. What started off as social business, you know, because I was promoting the brand Social Business Mentor, both online as well as in the city for, you know, what I was doing at the time. And the hangout was basically just the grouping. By the end of it, as you say, the focus was all about social business. How do I get my business introduced in the city? How do I talk about topics that I'm, you know, a knowledge expert on to by the end of it, it was truly the business wasn't there as truly a social hangout. So it's interesting how those three words have played into it, even though what started off as a tie into a product and service it turned into something considerably more. And like I said, it was originally going to be maybe 25 episodes. It sounded like you actually did eventually get people talking. It sounded like everyone started off just like going to a social event where at the beginning everyone's quiet. They're not yet getting comfortable with each other. And all of a sudden they're all talking. Out of curiosity, what were some of the challenges? Now, you had mentioned that some may have been uncomfortable speaking in front of a microphone or in front of a group. What were some of the challenges that you went through to actually get people to talk? And were some of the topics controversial? First of all, most of these things were done in front of a live audience, whether or not that was an audience of their wife, you know, meaning one person in the room or, or a larger group or an event. So, so it definitely varies. So right off the bat, the first challenge is you're asking someone who probably has never spoken publicly in the first place to do it live 
to do it in front of an audience, to have it recorded, to have it released on the internet for all time, because it's very much evergreen content. Bad enough asking that of myself, but to ask it to other people. But we made it an event. Most of these podcasts, recordings, which were, you know, let's say a half hour on average, were part of, let's say, an hour and a half night. You know, we, we back in the day, we were using meetup.com. And then we said, you know what, we can do this ourselves. And at the end of the day, it was a meetup. So whether or not that was a networking meeting, a chance for people to get together and talk, quite often the keyword was announced going into it. So, you know, you had a draw. So when we did the photography night, oh, my God, that was so interesting. I was in a room full of photographers taking pictures while I was doing the podcast. You know, this is fairly early on. Never invite a whole bunch of photographers to an event that should be voice only. <laughs> At least at the time, right? It's funny because the challenge is apart from the technical you're dealing with laptops, you're dealing with mics, you're dealing with, you know, I, I had to redo two interviews. One, because the volume was set to no level and I lost that interview oh, altogether. No, and no. the other one I had to redo entirely because uh, the uh, the mic uh, wire cut out on me and I didn't know. I wasn't monitoring it at the time because, you know, you evolve over time. This originally started with an MP3 recorder. Now I'm using like a Yeti mic, right, with a Mac and the list goes on, mixing boards and, you know, you, you improve. But Apart from the technical, just getting people to talk about their passion, something they normally never do, it's the weirdest feeling. I don't know if it was, you know, rewarding or, or enlightening or just a good experience, but I know looking at a lot of those people that have been on my podcast over the years, seeing how their business changed around that time, how they became more uh, visible and public and transparent on social media. A lot of these people just getting up on that soapbox for that one time and saying, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is why I love doing it to their city. I don't know. Some people were empowered by that. That's for sure. I know before we started recording, we were talking about some of the topics and we, we came up on the conversation of, of tattooing. Now, was that something that was controversial? And I, I, there's a little story about that, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say controversial. It, it was it was a turning point. So that was fairly late in the game. And this was around, uh, what was that? It was like episode 80 something. At the time, I had been doing it for what, about two years. I was doing it every week. People knew who where I was. You know, I'm literally having this tattoo put on my arm while interviewing a tattooist who's tattooing my arm. Uh, live about the the process of tattoos and the business of tattoo while having a tattoo done to my arm. And the words that uh, were put on my arm were the words stay humbles, which was uh, stay humble, which was the hashtag I was using at the time for the uh, the album. And literally uh, someone broke into my office as I'm recording and stole everything. Luckily, the night, well, not luckily, I should say, the night I was using a secondary uh, uh, recording device, so my main laptop was in the office. It got stolen. I had had that laptop for five years. Every single podcast, for the most part, had been edited on that laptop, and, and it was the core of it. Next thing you know, there's a GoFundMe being set up to uh, to recover from the people that were uh, you know, fans of the podcast, and that, that was great. But it was a gentleman that I interviewed for the 50th podcast called me up I was in Ottawa at the time just just miserable and he's like Rob I'm walking out the door right now picking you up a new MacBook Pro let me know what model you need it's 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 here when you get back you just got to keep podcasting and uh, that that one was touching because it was not only the moment where the community uh, that was enjoying uh, the podcast or, or got value out of it 
wanted to give back um, because, you know, there, there was a lot of time and effort on my part and I never charged anything for it. So it was very nice to see that happen. But it was like the impact on that one uh, gentleman uh, calling me up and uh, offering me. And like I said, every podcast that's been edited since then, including the other series that's been done on that new laptop. So, yeah, it wasn't controversial, but it definitely was impactful. And in hindsight, I probably should have had the tattoo stay rich, put on my arm as opposed to stay humble. That was a turning point. And uh, I literally was recording within a week. I, I did not miss a week on the schedule uh, after a major theft. And uh, it was because of the community and, and uh, the people that were uh, still, you know, saw value in the podcast back then. It certainly sounds like it shows how much they did appreciate what you've done. I mean, it's interesting when you think about it. You came into town. They didn't realize that there was a need for something like this social business hangout or this podcast. You put this together, and it's incredible how it impacted the community. Now, you did 100 episodes. How long did it take you to do 100 episodes? Well, I did take that year break. Um, like I said, it, it was just exhausting. But the the real story behind that one the, the one year is, you know, I came back from the theft uh, did a few more episodes. Uh, there was a couple of uh, guests that were difficult. Uh, and I was like, okay, between all everything going on, do I want to continue? And I stopped at episode 97. And the reason I stopped at episode 97 is for the original goal, like I said, it was maybe going to be uh, 25 episodes. And on the 20th, 25th podcast, I actually had my parents on and we were doing a podcast on social media for seniors where they were asking me questions. So to get my own parents in front of a live audience recording. If I could do it for them, I could do it for anybody in the city. <laughs> but we, we spent the afternoon uh, with a gentleman in Brantford. He, he must have been at his place for a good three hours, and that was Walter Gretzky, uh, Wayne's father. And, you know, we got the tour of the basement. We, and I had known Walter from some of the work that I had been doing uh, with the sports tourism in the area. So, uh, you know, I, I was on his, on his good book. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, you know, my parents are in town. Mind if we drop by? Hey, 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 come on over. We spent three hours at Walter's place. We couldn't leave. He wouldn't let us leave. We were trying on different jerseys. He's telling us all the stories and, and all that. And uh, that night we recorded the 25th podcast. And I always knew if I was going to continue and make it uh, to episode 99, there was only going to be one person that was going to be part of that uh, interview. And that was going to be Walter Gretzky, not Wayne Walter. And uh, I knew I could make it happen. But at that point in time, there was a lot of health stuff going on with Walter. He was uh, he was recovering from a lot of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to rush this. I'm, I'm going to leave myself an episode, number 98. And, uh, you know, I'm going to wait until I know for a fact that I can get Walter. And the plan was to do a 98, 99, 100 all in one night, uh, make it a big event. Once his health got better and he was available again, he agreed to uh, to be a guest. And I basically tied it in with Sandy Lee, who uh, was doing the Lung Association, or still doing the Lung Association. And I interviewed episode 98 and 99 together at Sandy's office, at the Lung Association office with, uh, and you know, like I said, Sandy and Walter go back, back to the days when both of them were working for Bell. And uh, the Lung Association is the one responsible for the hockey tournament that brought me to Brantford. And I'm like, you know what? I got to do this right. 98.99 was uh, tying it all together, you know, tying it back to the roots and ending uh, on a high note with uh, Walter. And uh, episode 100 was done uh, without a live audience, was done uh, in a room with uh, one of the people that was part of the first ever interview and uh, a friend of mine that had been through it all. So it was literally a celebration, uh, a wake podcast. But uh, I always say that episode uh, 99 is the last official you end on a high note, and then you the the after party was episode one hundred. 
It's interesting because my next question was going to be asking you exactly that. It's hard to pick your favorite child, but you know which episode would be your most memorable and why? And I think you certainly answered that. Is there one little nugget that you could pull from your conversation with uh, Mr. Gretzky? Well, you know, first of all, the the entire episode is available, so you know anybody can listen to it. But I always, uh, you know, love the verbiage that comes with that. And I don't know exactly who, who came up with the wording or whatnot, but, but it's perfect. You know, Wayne may be the great one, but Walter is the grateful one. He is our, our, um, unofficial mayor. We have an official mayor, but he's actually one of the, we're one of the few cities in the world that actually has an ongoing mayor. And that is Walter Gretzky. And it's an honorary title. He's an ambassador, not just, uh, for the city, not just for hockey, not just for Wayne, this, this man lives in this community. You walk into the grocery store, there's Walter. You walk into the Civic Center, there's Walter cheering on the hockey team. The guy is the community. And to your earlier conversation, what started off as an SEO practice around social business mentor with certain keywords around social media and blah, 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 very you know logical, ended with an interview about a man who represents community, who represents giving, who represents everything that was social business uh, and where that verbiage comes from when you exclude the marketing and all that. It was perfect. And uh, at that point in time, the social business hangout had the after party, which was episode 100. And then I started doing other podcasts because that was it. That story, those conversations, that bundle, it was done. The move to Brantford really impacted you on many levels. I've been fortunate enough to have Walter Gretzky tell me his stories time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. I've had him, you know, fall asleep in my Audi driving him to Toronto. To be able to live in a town that embodies a lot of the ideals of social business in in one man and uh, to see the threads of those conversations and uh, the impacts of those conversations, not just to myself, you know, I've never had a problem being in front of a large audience. You know, like I said, I sang backup vocals for Iron Maiden back in 1988 for a song in front of like 10,000 people. So I'm not worried about being in front of a crowd. But to speak in front of a crowd, to do it professionally, to do it live, to do it unscripted, to do it in the moment. Like I said, I'm now a backup announcer for a hockey team. You cannot get more in the moment, yet still have a very scripted agenda than announcing a hockey game. And you can't get more iconic than announcing a hockey game in the hometown of Wayne Gretzky. So it's helped you personally. It's made you a very different person. It's helped you as a communicator. What about as a leader? How has that affected you as a leader? Obviously, you've moved a whole city with your uh, your social business hangout. For me, leadership, as I understood it during my 20 years of IT, and you know, I use the terminology, I'm a 20-year veteran of information technology, that there's a little bit of branding right there. You couldn't get more logical than, than that world. And words like empathy, words like active listening, uh, words like community building, community awareness, uh, transparency, you know, those are all words that you hear about uh, when people talk about leadership in the social era. I'd like to think I planned it all. You know, the logical part of me would like to understand that it was all logically planned out and worked out perfectly. But yeah, you you can't predict this stuff. I am not the person I was when I started this journey. That is for sure. And at the end of the day, it was conversation after conversation after conversation after conversation after conversation. It just goes on and on and on. It's draining, but at the same time, it changes you. 
there's uh, nothing to be said for face-to-face uh, <laughs> communication. People say that you can find everything you want on the internet, but obviously you found everything you want and then some in the city of Brantford. You know, that that is very true. Uh, it's no surprising that this is the birthplace of the telephone. You know, I walk by a monument every, pretty much every day that, that symbolizes the birthplace of the telephone. And when you think about how the telephone hijacked uh, the telegraph wires between uh, Brantford, Ontario and Paris, Ontario, you know, about 15 kilometers, and the first long-distance telephone call was made right here, and we're now living in a world of VoIP, and worldwide communication. You know, I've done live Google Hangouts from my basement in the birthplace of the telephone for free. You can't get more iconic than that. And like I said, back to the podcasting, to be able to be able to manipulate voice personas comfortably, the Toastmasters uh, will uh, definitely appreciate that, I would suspect. Robert, thank you for being on the show. It's been quite an inspiration. It sounds like the 100 Conversations has turned into a thousand plus memories. How can people reach you? How can people get a hold of you? How can they hear the podcasts and maybe even see any videos that you might have? Well, you know, that's the beauty of the internet. It never forgets. Everything that I've created, everything that I've done is out there. In this particular case, if you do a search on Social Business Hangout, you will find it. I guarantee it. Uh, If you do a search on Robert Levine, you're likely going to find me. At the end of the day, I use the rlevine42.com as my personal link. That's R-L-A-V-I-G-N-E-4-2.com. That'll redirect you to uh, wherever I am right now, regardless of whether or not you're hearing this now or 10 years or 20 years from now. So it's my global redirect. Robert Levine, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.